Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Bolden here. We've got a great show for you today. Kyle Sheely is joining me for episode 347 of the Speaker Lab podcast. And uh, Kyle is one of the most creative people that I have ever known and uh, excited to welcome him back to the show. Now, Kyle actually got his start speaking in the education space, did that for a year, still does a lot in that space. But uh, this past year obviously has been ravaged by a global pandemic for the speaking industry, but certainly in, in the education space. So Kyle's actually shifted to uh, dabble in a couple of different things we're going to be talking about. One of the things that was fascinating is he actually uh, built up a following of over 2 million followers on TikTok. So we're going to talk about that today. We're also going to talk about how uh, he authored his first children's book about a pizza that takes over the universe and then is currently breaking into a new corner of the speaking industry. And so Kyla will be one of the first to admit that like these things don't seem connected and that's part of what makes him interesting and unique. So we're going to talk about that, kind of how he thinks about his speaking business, some of these other projects that he is interested in. Maybe you are in a similar spot of you're interested in speaking, but you also have some of these like other ancillary type uh, topics or, or interests or or hobbies or passions. And, and we talked with Kyle about how he's kind of dabbled with and explored each of those. In this episode, Kyle's going to be sharing also thoughts on, on the future of, of virtual gigs in a post-pandemic world. We're going to talk about how to leverage social media to create opportunities. Uh, and then also he gives some big picture advice on taking next steps into building your own brand. He uh, has an infectious energy and expertise that makes this just a, a really fun episode and interview. So let's get right into it. Here's my conversation with Kyle Sheely. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, everybody? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast today, joined uh, by my good friend, Mr. Kyle Sheely. We had Kyle on back in episode 102, which feels like an eternity ago. If you haven't listened to that, go check it out. Uh, and uh, excited to have him back uh, with us today. So, uh, Kyle, welcome. How are you, man? Excited to be here, man. It's good to you're, see your face. It is beautiful. Uh, I mean, my face is beautiful. Yours, you're, you're doing the best you can. Uh, but first of all, let's, we got a, a bunch of stuff we want to catch up on and talk about. One thing, though, is uh, you've done a lot of speaking in the education space. You you typically do, you know, 50 some gigs a year. Um, and the speaking industry is obviously ravaged in COVID and especially in the education space where schools were dramatically impacted. Uh, so talk to us about um, not only necessarily like what the past year has been like, but especially coming out of it. What are you starting to see? We're into summer now going into the fall, looking ahead. Are you starting to book more stuff or things coming back? Just kind of give us a sense from the education space, what post COVID's looking like. Yeah. So COVID was awful. And, um, you know, I was, I was rocking and rolling and, and it come off of a, a really great year and, and, uh, in, you know, 2019 and then was coming into 2020 and was all excited. And then, um, you know, overnight, like everything evaporated. And it's funny because I'm with an agency and the agency CEO, like we kind of give him a hard time now because at the beginning of COVID, he was like, 
hey guys, we might need to be prepared for like 30, 60, maybe 90 days of, you know, no income here. And then it was like, oh, you were only off by like a million percent. And so, so it was, uh, it was tricky, you know, and um, there were definitely times like, especially early days where I was like, oh, I might be like eating uh, just whatever grass I can scrounge in the wilderness or something. And, uh, and, you know, but we made it through and, and I ended up like pivoting. I sold a book during the middle of COVID and, um, did some other stuff and got some consulting gigs and some stuff that kind of got me through. Um, but yeah, it seems like now we're, we're kind of on the other side of it. Um, I ended up doing a lot of virtual stuff, which I didn't love, but, um, it was better than nothing. And I ended up liking it more and more as I did more and more of it. Uh, and then have now started getting more in-person gigs. So I just did, um, I spoke at one school 10 times because they had to socially distance everyone. Uh, and then I've done a couple of corporate events and I just literally like 20 minutes ago booked a 13 school tour for the fall. So it, it seems like the things are kind of coming back. Um, and, and the one prediction that I had heard that, that I was like, well, I hope this is true, but you never know. And it seems like it, it may be true is like, there's going to be pent up demand for, for speakers. I think that everyone um, in the educational space was so sick of online school and not being able to see people in person. And so being able to replace some of those more intangible educational experiences um, is it, there's going to be a lot of demand for that. So I think once, once it seems like, Hey, we're actually past the pandemic and uh, you know, the worst of it and, and in-person school is, is, back to some semblance of normalcy, I think we're going to see a lot, uh, a lot of them wanting to do in-person events, all school assemblies, pep rallies, that kind of stuff, because you haven't been able to do that for, you know, 12 to 18 months at that point. Do you feel like, uh, you mentioned you were, you're doing a lot of virtual through, uh, the pandemic, didn't enjoy it, started to enjoy it. Do you feel like, uh, virtual will continue to be around, especially in the education space? I do. Um, you know, I, I have a friend who, uh, he thinks that probably like up to 20% of stuff will stay virtual from now on. Um, and, and I could see that being true. I mean, it's definitely easier for a school to do that. They've got the infrastructure now and they've done it. And so it's, you know, it's a lot cheaper and it's easier for the speaker too. You know, I, like as much as I didn't love the experience of doing that, if I had to compare overall experience of like, coming into my office, hanging out for half the day, doing other work, popping onto a virtual event for an hour and then going back to work uh, versus traveling to another city, staying in a hotel, renting a car, you know, sleeping on the floor of the airport because my plane got canceled. Like, you know, it might end up being a wash. And so um, I do think that there will be demand for, for both of those things as time goes on. Cool. Uh, you mentioned you've had a, a couple of big things that happened during COVID. So we're, we're going to talk about both of them. Let's we'll start by talking about TikTok. Uh, now I have zero experience with TikTok, and uh, and I remember uh, I remember like you posted a TikTok video, and I remember like you you had I don't know maybe posted something on Instagram where I'd see it, and I was like, wow, what's happening over there? And so I was like, I guess I should download TikTok, and so I downloaded TikTok, followed your stuff on this insane journey for a couple of days, which we'll talk about. Uh, yeah. and, then, and then I've deleted TikTok and I haven't looked at it since. <laughs> it's probably so, a good idea. So give us a sense. Um, let's, let's, uh, let's de deliver the, the punchline first. Like, uh, how many followers do you have or subscribe? I don't even know what's called that. 2.1 million followers on TikTok right now. In what span of time? Um, well, I went from, uh, one, I, so I, I had posted my, I started posting videos like at the end of last year, like around, I think, I think my first one was Christmas Eve and, uh, posted first video. I had no followers, posted a first video, 
you know, got like two or 300 views or something, posted another video, got two or 300 views. Like, and, and I'd, by this point I'd accumulated a whopping 17 followers on this app, you know, probably four of which were family members. And so I had 17 followers and then I posted my third video and in just over 24 hours, so it was 25 hours from the time that I posted it, I had 17 followers and then I, 25 hours later, I had 1 million followers. Um, and then it just kept going from there. I don't know when I hit 2 million. Um, it was, it definitely was not that fast. It wasn't like, oh, and 25 la- hours later, I hit 2 million and then it slowed down. Like it, it, you know, kind of tapered off. And then I've continued to just like gain and lose followers over time um, and stay kind of right around the the 2.1 million mark. Um, but yeah, it was, it was an absolutely, like there was a period of time when it first started happening See, the thing was, I had made a goal at the end of last year of like, I'm going to start posting on some content on TikTok. Like if I have a bigger following, it can help, you know, helps you with yeah. um, book deals and speaking gigs and stuff. And and I thought best case scenario, I'll end up with like 50,000 or 100,000 followers if I like hit home runs for six months. And instead, in, you know, three days, I, I got a million followers. Then I was like, well, I definitely, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> and so it was, uh, it was an interesting um, uh, experience for sure. Um, I kind of lost my train of thought there, but yeah, it was, it was a wild ride. Well, let me ask you this. Like, uh, again, as a non TikTok person, uh, I remember asking you, I remember like watching it and refreshing it every couple hours and like, he's up by another 200,000. Like, yeah. this is crazy. And I remember texting you at the time, just like, Hey, is this normal? Like, do most people have a million followers? And, uh, I remember you were just like, yeah, I have no idea, <laughs> but I don't know. It's this not. And I found out it's not, I mean, it's not as unusual, like to have a million followers. There, there are, there are probably more people on TikTok who have a million followers than on Instagram or YouTube or something like that. Um, but certainly it like, like I've seen videos that it's really funny. Cause I, I'm always like, I'm not going to comment on this. Like, I don't want to be that guy, but I'll have people that are like, I gained 30,000 followers in two days. This is unheard of. And I was like, it's not unheard of. Like I've heard of it. <laughs> and like, uh, because I, had, Oh, this is what I was going to say is that when I was doing that, when I was on that run up, like I posted the video and I was like, Oh, like within like an hour, it started going crazy. And I was, uh, I was like, oh my gosh, I went from 17 followers to a thousand followers and then 2000 followers and 3000. And I was texting a buddy of mine and he was like, dude, I think you're going to hit 10,000 followers by midnight. And at midnight I had 500,000 followers. And so there was, there were like hours where for every minute I would gain a thousand followers and I'm just like refreshing. And it's just like, just, it was insane. There are comments on that video where the individual comment has 200,000 likes on it. It's, it's just absolutely bananas. That video was watched. I think it's like 68 million times. And, um, it's funny because TikTok shows you analytics and you can see how long, like the collective amount of time that was spent watching that video. And it's like, over 60 years of time. <laughs> so I sent that to my buddy and he's like, what a waste of human potential. <laughs> like well, just 60 years of human life. We could have probably cured cancer or something, but instead we put it into watching this dumb video. So yeah, I, uh, I apologize to humanity for that one. So at this point you, uh, like how often are you putting out videos? Are they still continuing to have like a lot of traction? Kind of give us a sense of what things are like now. Yeah. I mean, it's TikTok is like, it's kind of crazy. It's up and down. I mean, there are people that have um, way smaller followings and then pr- proportionally get way more views per video they post, but they haven't been able to translate that into followers for whatever reason. And then there's people who have, I mean, I think uh, Charlie D'Amelio is like the, the she's like a 
17 year old girl who's like the most popular user. I think she has 115 million followers or something like that. Um, so it's, it's just kind of all over the place, but it seems like for me every like once a month or so I'll have a video that gets a million plus views. And then sometimes it's 1 million, sometimes it's 2 million, sometimes it's 10 million uh, or eight, you know, eight or 9 million. So, and then in between there's videos that I post that get 20,000 views and there's videos that I post that get a quarter of a million views. And it's just kind of all over the place. The one thing about TikTok is they don't really punish you for like um, having, you know, a couple duds in a row. Like you can just kind of like put stuff out and it just won't show it to people if it's not doing well. Like the TikTok algorithm is designed to show people what like what they want to see. And so no matter who you are, and this is how I went big in the first place is no matter who you are, you post a video and TikTok will show it to a small group of people. And then they'll basically see like, how did these people react? Did they like it? Did they share it? Did they interact with it at all? And then that will determine like how big of a group they show it to outside of that. It's kind of frustrating because you have, you know, I have 2 million followers and you would think like, oh, every time you get a video out, like 2 million people see it, but no, they don't do that. Like even with your followers, they only show you the stuff if it's starting to like pop off and other people are liking it. So, um, but there's pros and cons to that. And one of the pros is that like, if something is doing well, uh, it just kind of gets buried and nobody sees it. So um, you can kind of try a lot of dumb stuff and, and just get, sort of see what works. Like outside looking in and again, as someone who uh, who doesn't know a ton on, on TikTok, it seems like the majority of the audience is going to be, you know, 17 uh, year olds, um, like the uh, wh- whoever you said was the big one. Um, so like in your case, like you're doing a lot of speaking in the education space. So it seems like that would lend itself well. Um, and you go speak at a high school and tell them that you have 2 million TikTok followers, like that's cool. And you have some immediate like street cred with them. Um, is, is it for speakers who are listening, who are going like, is, is TikTok worth it? Is it primarily worth it if you're an education speaker or there are no. use cases outside <laughs> of it? I mean, I, I don't know. Like I, I will say I have not tried to use it for that at all. Um, mainly because the thing about TikTok is like you get, you get a following for a particular thing. And, and like my particular thing is like doing dumb internet stuff. So like it's not, I didn't, which if you're I very good at, by the way, what, which you're very good at, by the way. Oh, true. <laughs> and I, I mean that as a genuine compliment. <laughs> and so, but if my following, if I had, you know, built a following of like doing motivational content for teenagers, then yeah, it'd be like a, a no brainer to go like, Hey, look, and I, I, invite me to your school or whatever, or to show principals like, Hey, I have this thing. But I think if principals went and looked at my TikTok content, they it wouldn't turn them off. It wouldn't be like, Oh no, this guy's a disaster. They would just be like, this doesn't really have anything to do with what like we're, we're hiring for. And so, um, you know, and, and you see a lot of this, like people will blow up for something. Sometimes somebody will make a ton of content about one thing. And then just on a whim, they'll try something else. They'll be like, Oh, I'm going to make a content, you know, a joke about this other thing thing. And that one blows up. And then they have to make this decision. Like, do I keep making this even though that's not really what I want to do? Like, that's not my main thing. I just happened to blow up for that. So, so I, uh, I've gotten a lot of cool opportunities uh, out of TikTok, but none of them have been really in the speaking world that much. It's all been, I've gotten to do some cool ads and work with some cool companies and do things like that. But, uh, but yeah, I, it's not like, Oh, and then overnight, because I have TikTok, like I've turned into this in-demand school speaker. Hey friends, do you know the five steps to book more gigs and get paid as a speaker? Well, if not, listen up because these same five steps to help me to grow a seven-figure speaking career 
are all laid out in great detail in my latest book, The Successful Speaker, Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid, and Building Your Platform. Whether you want to speak as a side hustle or your dream is to become a full-time professional speaker, I know what it takes. I share all of that with you in this definitive step-by-step roadmap. Let me be your guide. Learn from my mistakes. Get paid what you know you're worth to share your unique message on stage. If you want to read the first chapter for free or just check out the book, go to thespeakerlab.com slash book. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash book. Check out your copy of The Successful Speaker. So do you mention yeah. it to, to, to students or to principals or event planners? Not really. No. I mean, like I, uh, mainly just because of the disconnect, like it's so different from what I'm doing there, um, at schools and stuff. And I don't really, it's not like a thing I want to make my speech about. Um, I actually like, I have mixed feelings about social media in general. And, and I think that it can be good. It can be bad, but like, I don't, I don't even know where I've landed on. Like is having 2 million TikTok followers a good thing? Or is this going to be like a disaster for my mental health over five years? I have no idea. So I don't really want to go talk about that to to impressionable teenagers when I haven't like worked that out myself yet. So I don't know. It's just kind of like a weird thing where like, I I know a youth speaker, you know, and Brandon White, who uh, he like won wheel of fortune. (laughs) He won like $30,000 on wheel of fortune. I don't know if he talks about it on stage, but I don't, I doubt he does. Like it, it has nothing to do. It's like a really interesting thing that happened to him. A lot of people probably saw him on television, but that's not like, has nothing to do with his message. So, yeah. uh, you know, whether he works it in or not, like that's up to him. But I, if I won $30,000 on wheel of fortune, I wouldn't be like, Oh, I'm going to tell this story on stage unless it made sense with my broader goals. So it sounds like, um, uh, that TikTok has a, a broad appeal beyond just teenagers. And so are there certain speakers who ought to consider like it, whether you're, you're speaking on, you know, motivation or customer service or leadership or change or whatever it may be, are those are there certain topics that are going to resonate more with certain audiences on TikTok? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, TikTok does like uh, like again. The thing is, it shows it to the people who want to see it. And so, if you have content that like there are TikTok uh, TikTokers, <laughs> people on TikTok who they do content about marketing, they do content about uh, motivation, they do like all, all sorts of different things. They build a following in that kind of like corner of TikTok and they do really well. And, and in fact, you can do well on TikTok with a like much, much smaller audience than I have. If you, you know, are in kind of more of the business that you're in and, and, and that a lot of speakers, uh, you know, I'm not in this business of like content marketing and like selling, selling, um, courses and PDFs and things like that. But if you are in that world and that's your thing, like you don't have to have a huge audience. You just have to have the right audience mm-hmm. and TikTok is good at finding that audience. So, um, it's certainly something that you should look into if that's what you want to do. I just never have wanted to do that side of things. Um, and so, yeah, for me, it's kind of a different deal. So one of the, my concerns, anytime you're, you're building something or you have a significant thing on another platform, uh, whether it's TikTok, YouTube, MySpace, wherever, is that it, it could go away and you yeah. have zero control over it, or it's just, it's the flavor of the week. And then it just kind of fizzles out and it's still around, but it doesn't have near the traction that it used to. Um, do you worry about that? How do you hedge against that? Is there a way for you to take some of those followers and translate them to an email list or somewhere else that feels like it has more staying power or something that you can control? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a that's a conversation I've had a lot. And and I have been been able to transfer quite a number of them over to email by um, doing different events and, and things that they could participate in that they had to sign up for and um, uh, uh, the virtual marathon that you know about. And so, uh, so yeah, I mean, I've, I've, 
tried to do that and, and actually had a lot of success with that. And then was able to use that email list to help market my book that came out. And, and so, um, but yeah, that's always a struggle is you're always going to have, you're never gonna have an email list that's bigger than your TikTok following. When you have 2 million people on TikTok, not all of those people are gonna like, not even a, 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 if you're like, Oh, I can get 1% of those. You're not going to probably get 1% of them to sign up to your email, um, right away. So, so yeah, it's, it's definitely a concern. Um, is how do I, how do I keep that going? And, but I have noticed that like, it's boosted my Instagram following it's boosted, um, everything else that I do, I get stopped. I've gotten stopped in the street just from people going like, Hey, you're that TikTok guy. So, so, uh, overall it's a positive say what it seems like there's kind of a network effect. Oh yeah, for sure. And, and, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's overall a net positive, but it's not like, Oh, like I think sometimes people go 2 million, like you are, you're rich now you can retire now it's like no that's not how any of this works so um yeah uh i'm I'm just sort of taking it one day at a time and and evaluating the opportunities that come to me and trying to figure out is this even a thing that i want to do and uh you know i've been lucky that i have a lot of people in my life who have been down not this road but a similar road i mean i have a friend who at one point was one of the top 20 people on all of snapchat and he no longer has a Snapchat account. And he told me like, hey, this may or may not be good for your mental health. It may or may not be a thing that you want to do. And just because you were given this really great gift doesn't mean you have to keep it. At any point, you can go, I don't want to do this anymore. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And like, it was helpful and a healthy perspective for me to uh, hear him say that. All right, let's shift gears for a second. So we mentioned in the pandemic, you had two big things that changed uh, or that you worked on. One was going to be uh, TikTok and how that blew up. Second thing was uh, you just recently released a children's book. Uh, now, for, for people who are, are following along at home, they're going like, wait a second. All right, this guy speaks in the education space. He has a killing on TikTok. And those two things are, are somewhat uh, disconnected. Uh, and now suddenly he has a children's book. Uh, so talk to us about the children's book. Why a children's book? Uh, and, and give us the overview of what the book's on. Yeah. So I had always wanted to like, actually, before I wanted to be a speaker, I wanted to be an author, um, particularly a a kid's book writer. And so um, I had given up on that actually like 10 years ago before any of this started, before you and I met, before I had ever gone down this road, I was writing stories, I was working on stories and then sort of started looking into like, how do you get hired to do like, how do you get a book deal? How do you not hired, but how do you get to do this professionally? And everything I read was like, so depressing. It was just people saying like, it's impossible to get an agent. It's impossible to get a book deal. Like it just, it was super depressing. And so I gave up on that. And, and then, you know, over the, over the years, I ended up meeting a friend who uh, is an illustrator and he and I started connecting and like had very similar journeys, but kind of from, he was like an artist trying to get into the creative world or into the speaking world. And I was a, a speaker trying to do more creative world stuff. And so we just kind of built this friendship over the years. And then at one point I, I was like, Hey, I actually have an idea for a kid's book. We should talk about this. Cause he had done some kid's books and I was trying to encourage him to do more kid's books. And I told him the idea and he was like, we should work on that together. Um, and so, uh, it, it's funny because people hear that I'm a motivational speaker and then I wrote a kid's book and they assume it's going to be like a kid's book with a message and it's not at all. It's a ridiculous story about a pizza that destroys the universe and, uh, it's called a pizza with everything on it. And it was just, it was just the kind of story that I like to read to my kids. It's the kind of story that, that my kids like me to read and that I like to read when I was a kid. And so, um, yeah, I just did that. So, you know, when you ask like, why does, why did you do that? Or how does that fit into a career path or whatever? I, I don't know. It's just the thing I wanted to do. And, uh, it was kind of the culmination of a, of a lifelong dream. And, and I was like, oh, we'll see how this goes. And it's gone really well. And now I, you know, we'll probably get to do it again. So, yeah. 
That's cool. So one of the things that I think has always been super fascinating about you is, is when we first met, you were interested in getting into speaking and we connected and, and um, you've always been like one of the most creative people I know and like always have just um, a, a huge variety of different interests and skills and hobbies and passions. And um, the idea of like, I'm just going to be a speaker and I'm going to do 50 gigs for the rest of life. Like there's zero chance that's going to happen with you Yeah, uh, because there's so many other things that you're interested in. And I think that, that that's the case with a lot of speakers. And so uh, I think it's, it's, it, it may be easy or dangerous to look at someone like you and say, what, well, but Kyle does all of these different things, you know, that uh, often are, many of them are very, very unrelated. And it's not like yeah. they're all feeding each other. And, you know, like the, the, uh, the mental energy that you take to work on this totally unrelated project that may have nothing to do with anything. But for you, it's just like, I don't know, it's just fun. It seems like a cool thing to do. Yeah. Um, you've built a really successful business doing that. And it's very, uh, it's a very contrarian way to go about it and and completely against what, uh, what I would recommend for people, which is like yeah. focus on one thing. So can you kind of talk us through that of like the, like your, uh, maybe zoom out 30,000 feet of your kind of uh, speaking trajectory and career, but at the same time, like taking some of these other completely unrelated projects and interests and passions just for the heck of it. And because you enjoy it. Yeah. So, I mean, I would agree. I would say like, I don't think that you should do what I've done. Like, I would not recommend this to anyone. Like, it's not like, like the, the, you know, the thing that you would always tell me like is, Hey, instead of making an app that puts beards onto pictures of babies, why don't you email more decision makers and get hired more? We got to clarify some of these things that you're going to reference because these aren't just random things. Beard My Baby was an actual app that you created. (laughs) Beard My Baby. Yeah. And, uh, it's no longer available, but, um, but yeah, I mean, so, and you would always kind of say like, well, why don't you focus on speaking stuff? And I was always like, I don't know, like I, this is what I want to do. Like, and, and you know, for me, the idea of like what kind of career I'm building is a question that I have, but you know, and, and, and I spend a lot of time thinking about that, but, but I also think a lot about like, what kind of life do I want to live? And like, what kind of stories do I want to be able to tell when I'm old and what, you know, and, and, and also like my, I am primarily, like, I think of myself primarily not as a speaker, but as a storyteller. And so every time I do some weird thing, I'm like, oh, you know what? This will be really great. Someday I'll tell this on stage and it might be at a school. It might be at a corporate event. Like, I don't know, but I like, this will be worth it. And so, um, but it's not always like, it's not the easiest way to get material. And, and this is not like, if you're running a business just from a profitability standpoint, you shouldn't do it the way that I do it. But I, that's never been my primary concern. Like very quickly, um, you know, in the first handful of years of speaking, I was already making more money than I ever thought I was going to make. And I, and more money than I had made before. And I've never been a guy that's super motivated by money or material possessions or any of that stuff. So, you know, part of why I got into speaking was because it gives me freedom. Like even if you're doing 50 or 60 events a year, 50 events a year is one a week with two weeks off. So that gives you a lot of time to work on other stuff. And I know, you know, I've seen speakers that like, they still spend all their time like in an office or kind of grinding or hustling or whatever. And I'm like, why? Like you have this great life. You make as much as a dentist, you know, like, and and they have to go drill in people's stinky mouths all day. Like you could go do whatever you want all day. Like, so I don't know. It's not like an ideal way to, nobody would give you this advice. Like, oh yeah, you should have 15 different things going on at once. But if that's what you want to do, then, and, and you find a way to make it work, then make it work. You know, one of the things that you and I have talked about a lot is like, if you ask 10 different speakers, how they run their business, you'll get 12 different answers. And some of those are like objectively bad answers. You'll look at them and you're like, Oh, like, and you know, we've talked about some guy that you met one time who was doing like a hundred events a year and was living below the poverty level because he was charging so little for his events. Well, that's a bad business, but like, 
I have friends who do 10 events a year and charge a ton of money for each one. And I have friends that do 70 or a hundred events a year. And like, it really depends on where you're at in your life, what your family and priorities are, like what your business aspirations are. And you kind of have to weigh all that for yourself. But for me, like, like I said, I always wanted to be a kid's book author. I always wanted to be like, I have an adult nonfiction book coming out next year. Like I always wanted to do that. And so um, it wasn't so much a, a question of like, how does this strategically fit into the career plan? It was just like, Hey, do I want to do this? And is it, is it going to hurt my career? No, it won't hurt my career. Um, and so, so I'll do it, you know, like it would have probably been a better idea, like from a business standpoint to do a course or an ebook or, you know, something that like to build a funnel or something like, but all of those words make me like fall asleep. And so I like, I wouldn't be able to do them well anyways. So I don't know. Like it's, it's not, it's not a, none of this was on a, like no, no guidance counselor was ever like, and here's the career path you do 15 <laughs> things. And you know, like you kind of jump from one to another, but I don't know, it's worked out for me. So, um, you know, I got no complaints. Yeah. One of the things that I also think is interesting is you're at a spot now where the majority of your, your speaking career at least has been in the education space. You've built a great reputation there. You've spoken on, on the biggest stages and, and the biggest venues. Uh, and now you're starting to do more and more corporate stuff, more associations, more non-education stuff. And I think, uh, um, a, uh, maybe a misconception for a lot of speakers that they assume like, oh, I've built a big name here. Therefore, it translates in speaking anywhere. And like you've built a like amazing brand and you're a phenomenal speaker, which helps you as a good speaker. But just because like you're known in one pond doesn't necessarily mean that you're known in another. So how are yeah. you kind of finding the transition of I've, I've built a good career as a speaker in this space and now I'm trying to pivot and do more in that space. And I'm like, do you feel like you're starting over in some ways? Oh yeah, it's, it's definitely a case of like, what got you here won't get you there. Um, and at the same time, it's like, what got you here will get you there, but you have to do it all over again. And so, you know, there, there is that, like, I climbed this mountain, I got to the top of it in some ways. And I was like, this is kind of cool. And there are some people and I've, I don't fault these people at all who just go like, I'm going to hang out at the top of this mountain for a long time. And then I'll retire. Like, that's great. You worked really hard to get up there. I am a person who gets really bored when I have to do the same thing over and over again. And so, um, I've got, you know, I've kind of, got an agency that books me in the youth world. Cause that I wanted to be able to keep that sort of on autopilot and like be able to keep doing that. I just didn't want to have to do the day-to-day -day like marketing and, and emailing clients and you know, all that kind of stuff. And then I've started to turn my attention to, Hey, how do I do the same thing that I did in the youth world, but in this completely different world where it's completely different decision makers, completely different priorities, like they're looking for different stuff. Um, and so it's a lot of the same, like you know, ideas and, and even individual tactics of like emailing people and, and figuring out marketing, uh, you know, language and stuff like that. But it's all different now because you're doing it for a different group of people. I have found that some of the social media stuff has helped me uh, here where like I, the, the, I just did an event last week for this skincare company and they found me on social media and they saw some of my TikTok stuff and some of my Instagram stuff. And they were like, Oh, this guy's pretty funny. I think he would be great. And they saw the word speaker in my bio. So they're like, Oh, like, we'll, we'll take a chance on them. And they loved it. And they, it was great. And so, um, yeah, it, it's just interesting because like the demo video that I have on my website is already outdated. Cause I have long hair and that now I have short hair, but also I'm clearly speaking to an audience of teenagers. Yeah. And so now it's like, well, I got to do a demo video where there's grownups in the audience and I have to like have a suit on and you know, like it's just a different thing. So, um, yeah, but I love that because it's a new challenge and it gives me a new thing to work on. 
do you feel like uh like you and you kind of alluded to this like with some other speakers maybe that you get to the point where you could keep you could keep doing 50 gigs a year in the youth market and build a successful career doing that for the rest of your life and there are speakers that do that and that's not a, necessarily a bad thing um but do you feel like that like what's the what's the goal in switching to a different market is it just like i just need a new challenge and i'm looking for something different or the the, the grass seems greener on that side or like what's is there a a reason to switch and go somewhere else well, you make a ton of more money in the, in the in the corporate space if you're good. The floor in the corporate space is sometimes higher than the ceiling in the youth space. Right. But I'm not a person who's particularly driven by that. Um, it just is like for me, it's kind of I conquered the mountain on this other thing. Yep. And and, you know, it's it's like when you beat a video game, you don't go back and play that video game a bunch more times. Like I'm not that I like I beat Zelda and then I'm like, OK, I'm done with that. Like I probably am not going to keep playing the same thing over and over again. I just needed a new challenge. And I think for me, like corporate, it always felt like, oh, like it, it's it's harder. I mean, it's like you with in the youth world, it's just like did you make them laugh, you know, and did you give them something to think about? In the corporate world, a lot of times it's like, can you help them get over some business obstacle? Can you help them think more creatively? Can you like, can you do something that's measurable for our employees? That's a bigger challenge than, than a high school. And so, um, you know, I just wanted to try that and, and yeah, I don't know if that answers the question, but that's kind of the big one for me is like, it's a new challenge. It's a new thing to pursue. Um, and it opens more doors to, to new opportunities. Yeah. We have a lot of speakers who are listening who have uh, who are early stages of their career, and uh, I think one of the the fun things was that I I felt like I had a front row seat to you getting started and building your career. So and like we kind of alluded to, you have taken a just a, a wide ranging path uh, to get to where you are now. So for speakers who are newer who are getting started, what advice would you give to them that may be similar or different than what you've actually done? You know, I would say that like that it's good to like it's good to figure out where you are and like what your natural bent is. And then probably have some people in your life who uh, kind of annoy you a little bit because they're bent the opposite way. Cause you need that. Like the truth is if you are a person who like you're listening to this and you're hearing me go like, Oh, like, like I do 15 things at once. And I'll, like, you should not follow me and try to do what I'm doing. You should follow Grant and other people who are like more strategic and more like streamlined with their thinking, as opposed to like, if you like are a Grant Baldwin Jr. And you're like, really vibing with that. Like it might help you to, to follow me sometimes and be like, Hey, you know what? I can try different things. Like Grant was helpful for me because, because he's like so much more business minded than I am. And that helped me in those early years. Like the truth is I'm 11 years in now. And so I have, I, like I have, I've done a lot of those things. I've climbed a lot of those mountains. And so I can take time off to go write a book or do whatever, or be on TikTok, like, because I've already done that stuff. But in the early years, I was, I was still doing some projects and Grant was like, Kyle, bring it back in, like focus on, send some emails. But uh, I wasn't doing nearly as much of that as I have the freedom to do now, because in those early years, I put in the time and put in the work and, and, you know, built the business. So it, it's easy, I think, for people to look at me and see like, oh, he's kind of this crazy clown <laughs> and, uh, and like, he still made it work, but there is a lot of like behind the scenes hustle and, and actual work that it takes to, to, you know, I still have a business to maintain. I still have to file my taxes and, you know, keep track of expenses and make sure that I'm running a profitable operation and all that stuff. And it's just that like, once I do that, I don't try to do that, you know, 10 X that I go like, Hey, this is really great. This is doing well. Now I'm going to take some time off and go, you know, build a centaur bike or whatever. 
which is something he actually did. Again, this is not just a random thing. So go check out Kyle. Follow him everywhere. Uh, Kyle, thanks for the time, man. We appreciate it. If people want to find you on TikTok, online, wherever, where can we go? It's at Kyle Sheely, uh, K-Y-L-E-S-C-H-E-E-L-E. Spoken like a guy who said that from stage a few times. <laughs> thanks, man. Spoken like a guy with the hardest spell last name. Yeah. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Speaker Lab Podcast. And before you take off, don't forget, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and review within iTunes. We read every single one of those. It helps it helps other people to find the show. Listen, we, we don't charge anything for you to listen to these. We don't have any ads or anything. We do this because we want to serve and support speakers like you. So one small favor we ask of you is that you would leave us some type of a rating and review. Again, we really, really do appreciate that. If you're looking for more help, support as a speaker as you build and grow your business at whatever stage you're at, don't forget to check out thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. We got a ton of free resources and tools over there. So again, check it out over at thespeakerlab.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.